Once love 
everybody welcome to the weekly review with roman today it's friday december 25th 2020 oh last show of the year wow wow thanks so much for tuning in we are broadcasting live from mutiny radio we're in san francisco which is on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush ohlone peoples who are the original inhabitants of the san francisco peninsula and for folks who decide to donate money especially at this time of year please do consider donating to the Sagora Tay land trust and there is a link to that page if you go to weeklyrev.org and click on the land acknowledgement tab and there's a lot of resources there including the Sagora Tay land trust which will bring you to the Shumi land tax page as well as maps uh, information about mutual aid history of the Ramatush Ohlone people and lots more info so please do check that out again weeklyrev.org and click on the land acknowledgement tab. Um, wow, sometimes I start off the show with a rant and I'm feeling pretty exhausted emotionally, physically, psychologically, and I know I'm not alone in that. I don't really celebrate this day. Um, however, it's, it's, it's unavoidable, really, if you live in this country. And uh, there is less of it, though, I feel, because we're not going into stores for the most part this time of year. And I do have to say one thing I appreciate is that uh, my bicycle journey here was a lot faster in that there weren't uh, cars in the bike lane. So got to be thankful for little things. Okay. Often on the show, I do share podcasts from other, other people's voices, other interviews as well. And that's what I'll be doing a little bit later today. Street Sheet, which some folks may recognize as the newspaper that is put out by Coalition on Homelessness and many of their contributors. Um, they started a podcast a few months ago, weeks ago, months ago, they recently. Time, what is time? And I have been wanting to listen to it for a while. So I wanted to play episode four, Why Do You Need Housing, which talks to folks who are really on the front lines of this and in San Francisco, as in many other places, especially in this country, there are a lot of empty houses and apartments and people who need them. And it, I feel like I talk about this every fucking week, and it makes me want to bash my head. That sounds really violent. Ouch. Maybe I want to bash someone else's head. Like, uh, I don't know, billionaires, people who have more than enough money that they will ever need and could actually, I don't know, uh, ensure that people have housing. Or people, you know, landlords who are just – Hiking up the price and evicting people. Them too. So putting that energy out into the universe. I know in an ideal world, people would realize the mistake of their ways and they would change and they'd make reparations and everyone would be, oh, but let's deal with our trauma because even if things were to change immediately, it, it's going to be a lot of baggage. Let's just put it that way. However, um, if I'm going to put energy out there, it's the folks who are hoarding the wealth and uh, passing policies. It's not just just greed. It's the uh, – elected officials sometimes they're not even elected they just are hey i'm in power whatever and uh, deciding not to provide relief or in this case survival to people who need housing and food and health care it's really <sighs> I, the fact that it, it's just it's so absurd and obscene and uh i d don't even have the language for it i mean i still try to find the words for it but it's pretty fucking uh abhorrent and awful and the idea that there are thousands of people among them kids veterans and again we don't need these qualifiers i think everyone should have housing hello it's not that complicated 
But when you also look at the demographics of the people who are affected by this, it's just so fucking cruel. So, anyway, uh, we'll be playing that a little bit. And I think it's really just important to hear other people's voices and not just mine. Playing some music as we always do on the show. And there was a great thread on Twitter that I was following. And it was uh, started by at Mags the Sags. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, M-A-G-S-V-I-S-A-G-G-S. And it was best covers of songs sung by guys, sung by girls. And it sounds a little bit like the lyrics to uh, Blur's song, Boys and Girls. However, I thought I would play a few of these songs because some of them I haven't heard, and including the first one by Jonathan Brook, uh, Eye in the Sky, originally by Alan Parsons Project, which I'm really familiar with, and folks might recognize it if you are a Chicago Bulls fan. And Cy- I think Cyrus was the name of the, the track before that on that album, which was the instrumental track that the Bulls would come out to in the 90s. Ah. So I hadn't heard uh, Jonathan Brooks' cover of Eye in the Sky, and it was really beautiful, so I thought that was nice. And then Odetta covering Bob Dylan's Don't Think Twice. It's all right. And we'll be playing some more music along the way. And maybe if I feel up for it, there is one song around this holiday that I, uh, <laughs> the name will not be mentioned, that I kind of enjoy. So maybe I'll slip that in uh, a little bit later on. I also, oh, yeah, I do have a rant. Oh, maybe I'll just get it off my chest. Uh, I went to go donate blood yesterday, and uh, long story short, uh, they wouldn't accept my blood because they're transphobic. And the person doing the intake asked a lot of really inappropriate questions, absurd questions. Like, I've, you know, been out as trans for 12-plus years. I've experienced everything from incompetence to bigotry uh, while seeking medical care, both in New York and here and elsewhere. And it's something that I feel like there's a lot of movement around educating medical students around and medical professionals, and I appreciate that, and things are changing for the better. So I was also just really stunned that here in San Francisco, I would find someone who asked really awful questions, uh, denied um, denied me care, which I needed, and um, also just decided to trust the bureaucracy of the DMV as if someone I met at the DMV uh, back in 2012 somehow has a better sense of my gender identity than I do, or my medical records do, or any other various forms of identification, which I won't mention on the air, but let's just say I've, you know, taken care of things, and it's just really fucked up that someone would be so awful about it. Also, a question I hadn't received before from a cisgender person, um, they, well, they had asked what my old name was, and then they also asked if I had the same birthday. I, and I, did, I was like, what? How? What? How, like, how, how would I have a different birthday? And not in a kind of trans-inclusive, like, celebratory, you know, some folks celebrate their trans-anniversaries, like, oh, this is the day I either started hormones, or I had surgery, or I decided, or I changed my name. There could be a lot of, you know, self-made anniversaries. This was not that. It was, like, entering my information and, like, oh, well, do you have the same birthday? Yeah, I, um, what? Yeah, I'm actually a 12-year-old person, which maybe doesn't sound as funny because you can't see me right now, but I'm clearly not 12. And uh, it was just really stunning, and I was really angry. I was also in the morning, and I'm not a morning person. I mean, here I am at the radio station, and it's uh, noon, and I'm like, ugh. That was like a bit of a – I'm just not a morning person. So this appointment was also in the morning, and I biked down. You know, I got there, and I had to fill out all this information ahead of time online. And I did all of these things to prepare for it and then to get treated like that. And to be fair, the, the receptionist was super friendly. It was just this one intake person who was awful, and I – Wow. 
Nothing like creating a scene at a blood bank. Am I right, people? Anyway, happy holidays. So, <laughs> I wrote them a strongly worded email. I, I, you know, putting it out there, venting, and also it feels good to get it out on the air because I know I'm not alone in terms of uh, not receiving adequate care as a trans person. And I also know that that's something that affects a lot of folks. And I know there's a lot of anti-blackness still in the medical profession. And there's a lack of care for folks who are disabled and just and for folks who are fat like this, the list goes on and on where people are not treated for their for their symptoms or for what they're coming in for and instead oftentimes healthcare professionals bring their bias into it and in such a way that people end up dying and that's so fucked up <sighs> okay On this show, I do uh, <laughs> offer some positive things. I used to call them action items. Maybe I still can. Uh, as far as I can tell, at least from what I've been checking out over the last week or so, and this is a very up-to-the-last-minute show in terms of information I find. And again, it's I'm merely a conduit. Like There's uh, so many folks out there, activists and community organizers and people who are sharing what's going on, and I like to be able to – I think of myself more as – okay, what can I do with my resources and my abilities and my energy? And it's like, all right, I'm going to share these with the masses or whomever is listening. Again, if you're listening and you like the show, uh, or if you don't like it, I don't know why you're listening, but I'll take some constructive criticism, sure. Um, feel free to you can contact me. There's a link on our page, weeklyrev.org. Also, we got the stats, and in October, we got 16,000 downloads. That's awesome. Cool. So p people are listening. So, yay, that's great. It feels very unusual, especially after – over a decade of doing live theater and improv and stand-up uh, to be talking into a microphone or talking out and not getting any response. It's a very weird thing, and one has to be kind of comfortable with that. So I, this is not a comedy show. I, f I try to find comedy when there is some, although considering there's the rise in fascism and right-wing violence and the, cl the planet's on fire and we got plenty of elected officials in both parties who are absolute assholes, it uh, feels like yikes what's what's there to laugh at oh yeah the growing wealth gap uh just covid19 and how there's a outbreak in prisons and i'll just mention a little bit also uh an action item that folks can take is to get a, a, a pen pal if you're able black and pink is a cool site and it helps connect folks with lgbtq folks who are incarcerated and i've been writing with folks for a while and just started writing with some more people and um then there's like a I used to write letters, which I prefer, and also prefer to support the post office. However, there's a service called JPay, and it's, it's fucked up. However, it does allow folks to send email. You have to pay for it. You, um, you can send emails to folks who are incarcerated. And so that's been at least a very quick way of communicating with folks and sharing up-to-date information because they're not – a lot of folks are not receiving the information that they should be. First of all, they shouldn't even be in incarcerated in the first place. And then on top of that, it's like, ugh. Anyway. So – yeah. So that's something that's one can do is uh, if you feel like not up for going out or who knows, but I know there's oftentimes it's like there's so many things that are backwards and unfair and unjust in this world that are specifically man-made problems. And so one thing one can do is connect. And so if you're able, I really recommend um, finding someone uh, to write to and opening up that communication and and sharing. It's uh, it's really 
it's just so fucked up the limitations and in addition to just the fact that COVID-19 has spread throughout prisons um, and the fact that also some folks who are incarcerated can't communicate with one another. And it's just, you know, imagine, I don't have to imagine, just um, being separated from your loved ones, especially during a time like this. It's just fucking cruel. It's awful. So there are a lot of ways. My point being, there's a lot of ways to show up for people. And regardless of your ability, regardless of where you are, uh, there's a lot of ways to show up. And I also, so this is not so much an action item, but a, an opportunity. And I think it's uh, unfortunately in this country. <laughs> and I, I recognize there's plenty of bullshit going on in other countries too. It's just, this is where I live, so got to talk on it. And also just this, uh, c the reputation of this country has this reputation of being like, oh, we're the free and blah, blah, we're the best and blah, blah, blah. Yet um, I don't even know how many people are hungry uh, the wealth is concentrated in the hands of the few. Education is extremely expensive. Most people are in debt, with medical debt. I mean, it's just like horrendous. So that's kind of why I, uh, I want to observe and call it out for what it is. It could be better. We all could be not struggling. It's a very big possibility. Let's put it out in the universe. I'm not necessarily a pessimist. I'm just observing what's happening. So something that is positive is that there's a site called Open culture which is the best free cultural and educational media on the web they say uh not not doubting it i haven't looked into it too much but you can go to openculture.com and they have uh free language classes so it says free learn 48 languages online for free spanish chinese english and more um there's a whole list ancient greek arabic uh bulgarian uh, clearly it's in alphabetical order go down the list uh, a whole lot of um, languages, and I feel like uh, growing up here, I really wish I was a polyglot. My aunt, who passed away a few years ago, was a polyglot, and I'm like, oh, that would be great just to know. And, uh, you know, I can speak some French, I can speak some Spanish, you know, a little bit here and there, but I really wish I was fluent in a lot of languages, and I feel like uh, Americans as a people, we would be so much better if we uh, maybe spoke different languages. That would be pretty great. And some people do. It's more just the from the general. I wish it was more uh, maybe accessible for people. Or Anyway, uh, this is a great website to take advantage of. Openculture.com, and I, they also provide free textbooks, free ebooks, audiobooks, movies, um, other online courses, over 1,500 online courses as well, so free K-12 to education. So it looks like there's a lot of good resources there, and I feel like the more accessible education is for people, the better off everyone will be. And we'll post a link to this on our website, which is weeklyrev.org. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to do a brief plug. If you uh, would like to donate to the show, please do. We have a Patreon that's set up on our site as well. Anywhere from a dollar a month or more is greatly appreciated. It goes towards the Jews. It goes towards keeping the website active. And uh, would greatly appreciate it. So please do check that out. And since it is already 1225, I'm going to go right into the – the new podcast. Oh, got so much music to play. Let's do one song, and then we'll go into the uh, the podcast from Street Sheet. And okay, here we go. Here's some Nico case.
welcome back. That was interesting. I do like Nico Case quite a bit. So coming up next is the episode four, Why Do You Need Housing uh, from Street Speak, which is the Street Speak podcast put on by Street Sheet. And you can find more information at streetsheet.org. It's also a great organization to donate to. So here we go. We'll play the audio for this, and we'll be back uh, afterwards. You're listening to the Street Speak podcast, answering your questions about poverty and homelessness in San Francisco. This episode is an audio recording of a webinar hosted in August by House the Bay. Quiver facilitated the panel, which featured three unhoused community organizers. House the Bay works to open vacant homes in the Bay Area to unhoused people who need housing, and this webinar explored the reasons why housing is so important to the speakers. Before we launch into it, we do talk a bit in the discussion about Prop C. While Mayor Breed was refusing to implement the initiative passed by voters in 2018, Prop C was just upheld in the appeals court and is now official. Additionally, we talk about an action that has already passed, but you can learn more about that action by visiting HowsTheBay.org or searching the hashtag HousingNotBarricades. Okay, everybody. Welcome to our not-so-live panel. Um, uh, we are going to be discussing um, housing and, it, and why it's so important, especially in the time of COVID-19. Uh, and we have some amazing panelists here um, to talk to us. So um, I guess we'll just start with some introductions. I'm Quiver Watts. I'm here with How's the Bay. Um, and I work at the Street Sheet in San Francisco. Um, Don, why don't you go next? I'm Don Passan. I am a native San Franciscan resident, currently homeless. Um, I run a foundation called Every 28 Foundation, which is addressing the issue, issue of police violence and other issues in terms of disbanding the SFPD. Uh, Shai, do you want to go next? Sure. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Shai. He's uh, her, she, um, <laughs> my bad. Um, I'm a volunteer here at the Homeless Coalition. I am um, an outreach worker with them for the Tenderloin. And um, today I'm okay with everything, just a little tired, but yeah. Thanks, Cooper, take it away. <laughs> I am uh, Cooper Arona. Um, I'm a, um, a street medic, um, dubbed that by our, my, our folks here in San Francisco. Um, I'm, a, I'm a homeless advocate. Um, I basically just do what I can, when I can, where I can, out here on the streets since uh, our city leaders and our mayor choose not to help anyone. I, I'm out there day in and day out uh, helping people that have medical issues that, that need uh, you know, um, medical attention right away. So I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Um, I, oh yeah, Cooper, uh, Arona, like the coronavirus, <laughs> but uh, uh, she, her, uh, just Cooper, so. Fantastic. Thank you all for being here. Um, so our first question is, um, do you want to move into housing, and if so, why? Kind of a stupid question, but um, we'd love to hear your, your responses. Who wants to start? I'll go first, if that's okay. Yeah. 
um, officially I'm housed already. And um, I feel like during the pandemic, our legislators and our mayor has let down the homeless community in, in a major way. You know, she was supposed to be signing the legislation to all these um, hotels that the Board of Supervisors voted on unanimously for, didn't want to sign it. You know, that left how many people outside and in, 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 in unhoused? Like, I just feel that people, our legislators are, and our lawmakers who are always putting out laws to actually go by what they talk about and not just pussyfoot around and basically tell us one thing, but then do a whole totally different, like, just switch it up on us. It's bad enough we switch up on each other out here. Why, what makes you think we want our lawmakers to do the same thing? Yeah, thanks for that perspective. Um, I would say yes. Um, but there's some caveats to that. Yes, there is. Because in order to be housed as we're seeing today, you have to have resources. You have to have finances. The average one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco was $3,500 a month, $42,000 a year. That's what the President of the United States pays for his son's tuition at his school. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is a systemic problem. It didn't just happen overnight. We yeah. can't blame it on COVID-19, although COVID-19 is gonna, and lack of leadership in this country. Um, I feel like our mayor acts the same way our president does, very transactional. Um, I also believe that she's uh, uh, operating in an illegal fashion. I've sent her two letter, two demand letters of course, I haven't received any response for her because she's a transactional mayor. She's focused on the budget. But the problem is, back to, yeah, but the big problem is systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Because if you've done everything that you know you, you're supposed to do, if you prescribed to the societal conscript of how you become successful, and make it in this country, if you've done that and you still can't have a fair opportunity, then that's the hugest problem right there. That's the biggest roadblock right there. And so uh, I would say, yeah, but what does that look like going forward for me? I have to be able to do that on my terms and my terms solely. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much uh, my response to that question. Clifford, can I add to what you were just saying, if possible? Yeah, just uh, that real quick. Okay, um, to add on to what, um, what he was talking about, that's the, that's the, there's a lot of truth in what he was just saying because of the fact that a lot of people have came to me during my outreach and have asked me multiple times, what are, what's gonna happen after this pandemic happens? All those house, all the people that are in those house, in those hotels, where are they going to go? 
after this pandemic. You see what I'm saying? And it goes back to what you were just saying. You feel me? How are we going to move forward? You feel me? Because after this pandemic, where's the money going to come from to house all these individuals or to continue funding these hotels? That's all. Thank you for that. Um, and Cooper, do you want to move into housing? And if so, why? Uh, you know, uh, it's been uh, um, something I've been trying to do for a long time. Uh, and um, But it just seems like every step that I take, um, you know, look, I, I say this all the time about, you know, I have my my wits about me, you know what I mean? I, I go through the, the whole process of all the housing, every list, every, I did everything just like they wanted me to do. And I still, years later, still haven't got housing. You know, I'm, I'm not any better than anyone else, but some people, they, they get frustrated and they give up, you know, because they don't, they don't have any support. And if you're coming off the street and you're going into housing, is there support there? You know, that's what, that's what I'm worried about because if you've been on the street for as long, you know, 15 years or you know, a couple of years, it's going to be a transition going into housing, you know what I mean? And so we need to make sure there's support for that. And also that if now myself, I'm not going into an SRO and I'm not having my, I'm a disabled firefighter and, and I'm not having my, uh, my disability. Um, I'm not, I don't need a payee. And that's all the city has is like, they have two places that they don't, you don't need a payee to, that's part of the city run, you know, where they jack you for your money and stuff. There's only two places all in San Francisco. And they keep trying to get me into housing, into SRO. I'm not doing it. I'm not having, I don't need, I don't need a, uh, a you know, a, a payee because I'm, I'm physically disabled. I'm not mentally disabled. You know what I mean? So they force you into to these things and there's no, no way out. And there's no, there's no, there's no building of, you know, your future. They basically, they put you in this little thing. They treat us like little kids. That's one thing that I'm, I'm surely not. I'm not a little kid. I'm 47. But they want to treat everyone that's homeless like they're little babies. Like, oh, you can't have people up to your house. You can't do this. No, fuck that shit. Because you know what? They're not doing that to Mr. and Mrs. Smith down there on the waterfront telling them who they can and can't have in their house or who they, whatever they can do. or whatever. They're not doing that. We're all San Francisco residents, but we're all being treated like we're a bunch of little kids. And uh, that's what I want to be. That's my only rub in all this is that I don't want to be treated because because I'm I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna there's gonna be some issues if, if if I keep being treated like oh you're homeless oh you know we're not like that we're all strong people the ones that were out on the street we're strong enough to be out there we're tough we're tough as as whatever I don't know if I can curse on this thing but um, the, yeah. <laughs> the city really needs to to start realizing the fact that we are adults and that we can do things on our own don't treat us like little kids and give us the opportunities we need. So things can be fair and make them equal. So then, because once everything's fair and we start off at equal ground, then guess what? Whatever happens after that, if we fuck up or we where we climb, you know that's that's up to us. Like we don't have a fair shot. You know what I mean? Because we're already just treated like you know nothing. So that you know I've been I've been offered housing many times, but I'm not going to take an SRO and I'm not going to have to sign. I'm not. I, and they were mad. They didn't sign over my 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 money to a, a payee. I mean, I had the head, the second head of of the hot team of housing, they came pick me up three different times in a van to go to go and to take me to housing because they didn't want me on the street anymore. But I'm not signing over. You know, there's too many issues with all that stuff. So um, I would go in if, if there was a, a positive, you know, way to do it, and and if it was um, if I was able to afford it, and if it was real, if that. But I don't think that's a real thing. It, it's hard to to bring my mind to that because I'm. It's just like I'm living in a fantasy world. Uh, am I going to see unicorns next? Because it's just like. It, it doesn't seem like it's real. You know what I mean? I, I wish, you know, but I would love to be inside. I would love, I've been wanting to be inside, but um, it's so far off from anything that's real to me. It's like, it's sad, you know? Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Thanks, y'all, for those answers. Um, I'm going to switch up the order on this next one. Um, start with Dawn. Uh, if you could see three things happen to address homelessness, what would they be? Well, the first thing is, um, what's really interesting is this coronavirus and technology has sped up um, urban planning and public administration theories on the life cycle of a city. So we're about to see this city that just got rebuilt with all this new stuff accelerate the life cycle. And what that is is all the people with means move out of the city and it goes back into that cycle of what we actually are just coming out of where you're tearing down old buildings and building new buildings and people are moving closer to their jobs and all this. So what I'd like to see is, wow, you're going to have a whole lot of empty new luxury apartments. What you going to do with those? <laughs> Sorry. So, that's one thing I'd like to see. What are you going to do with all this vacant space? All this brand new vacant space. I mean, down the street at 50 Jones, they just built a brand new building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing more for sale uh, and, and, and for rent signs as I move about the city. So um, I'd like to see that, uh, uh, that that space be utilized in some shape, form, or fashion. I'd also like to see um, some type of pejorative action towards the, the, the landowners if they don't for hoarding and, 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 and basically, yeah, for hoarding. Um, uh, housing. I would really like to see these children off of the street. I think it's a sin and a shame that you should have to try to go through K through 12 while you're homeless at the same time. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's nothing new to this America's history. It's always treated its poor with the utmost contempt when they couldn't be property any longer. I just I just found out today that I was saying what the company store means. I didn't know what that meant. They'd house you. Give you credit. And at the end of the year, you still owe more than what you got paid to the company store. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, housing is um, housing is a control issue. It's one of the factors that they use to maintain wealth and supremacy. And um, I'd like to see the only way that you're going to have some equalization in housing is if you have some reparations from the past. So. Those are the three things. Thank you. Um, let's go to Cooper and then Shai. What was the, the question you said? Is there three? Uh, three things um, that you'd like to see happen to address homelessness. Um, I think first and foremost that um, our our city leaders and and um, our you know LB need to if it was in this time frame right now if. if um, that they need to hear our voices and, and actually come out 
from their offices and actually ask us questions and actually be a part of, you know, we're, uh, uh, constantly say this, we all have San Francisco residents. The, the only difference, they have a roof over their head, we don't. And the thing is, is they need to talk and ask what we need instead of telling, telling you know, in their office what each other what we need. Ask us and see, you know, get a round table thing going on and, and ask, you know, because we're not all the same. You know, homelessness doesn't, isn't, isn't one thing, you know what I mean? And so um, we need to be, they need to be aware of that. If some people may need certain kind of housing, some people may a special kind of housing, and some people just need regular fucking place to live. So they need to take that into consideration by asking us questions and being a part of the community that they're in, that they're serving and that they're our city leaders and our mayor needs to just get it together because she just is so far off from anything. I'm just, I'm blown away by her inconsistencies and her just, not even wanting to be a part of anything. She acts like we don't exist. Um, so that'd be one is just for them to be able to acknowledge that, you know, our voice, you know, um, two, to make it um, that I think that there needs to be more stable, stable housing, you know, as in like housing that, that can fit each type of person that's, that's out there. You know, there needs to be, and that seems like a big thing to do, but it's not because they don't have a problem putting people doing this and that in the city and wasting money doing everything else. But I think they need to, if there are certain people that have certain needs and stuff and uh, special needs and or just regular people, they need to be, their housing needs to be fit them how they how they are or how they live or, you know, if they need help. So, um, you know, just have support basically. Uh, again, you know, with as well as coming off the street, having someone they can talk to. So. Because right now, as it is, people are dying. They're in these hotels, and people are, are overdosing because they're by themselves. In the encampments, people are by themselves because of their sweeps and stuff, you know. And so, we, there's no one there to Narcan them. There's no one there to make sure that they're okay or to cook them. You know, when we cook food, you know, to give someone something to eat, you know. And so, um, we have to not break up our communities anymore like this because it's it's really affecting people in a negative way. I see it every single day out there, and um, it'd be nice for you know them to stop fucking with us and just either fix it or don't fix it. Um, but, and then three, um, I think that just, um, just, I think, have a, just have, a, stop treating us different. If that's a way for how, a respect factor, you know what I mean? Um, because we're so looked down upon so many ways and different, different things, you know, that person's homeless or, you know, like they look homeless or whatever. So let's treat it, you know, that judgment is so fucked up and so hard to deal with. It, it, it affects me. I mean, I'm a strong person, but goddamn, you know, like when I go look, when I went to look for places, you know, on my own, it's just like when they find out that I'm, I'm unhoused, they just, it's just this whole different, you know, thing. So if we could take away that, that judgment, that kind of, you know, just fucking let us exist. If we want a place, let us have it. If you, if, you know, don't judge us because we happen to have, be having a hiccup in our life. You know what I mean? It's just a small part of our life and the rest of us, you know, whatever it may be, let us figure it out, but don't judge us the whole way and not give us a chance. So that's kind of, I mean, that, that's kind of like a, I don't know if that answers your questions, but that's kind of like, you know, that feels right, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and Shai, what, what, what's your thoughts on this question? I feel like this, like for the longest time when I was unhoused and I was out there, I would always sit back and think like, what can I do to change my, my, my present situation, you know? And as time went on, I met Kelly, you guys and everything else. And you guys 
basically are were my foundation. You see what I'm saying? And in order for a person to even start even looking for for housing, they need to build their foundation first. So they, the foundation won't rock in no way, shape, form, or fashion, you know? And then another thing is, like, when the person does find housing, like, does this housing, does these the SROs have um, case managers on site, you feel me, to address how other housing opportunities? Do they have, like, um, do, does the facility offer groups, like life skills group, or money management, or, or um, um, anger management, you feel me, stuff like that, in order for the person to not only feel comfortable where they're at, but to know that they have other resources of, at their building other than the ones that are being offered through the city. You see what I'm saying? And I feel that by me already being housed and where I'm staying at, they offer these groups and everything else for their residents, you know? And I just feel that most people need to look at like the basics before just jumping into a situation. You feel me? And if London Bree would, instead of trying to take money from one group and put it into another group and so forth and so on, she needs to look at building one big apartment building for the homeless, you feel me? And offering those three services, those um, services in that place. But I know that probably won't even happen. I'm saying. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so the, the next question, um, we'll switch up the order again. Um, we'll start with Cooper. Um, and the question is... Jalian? That's the question. What is that sound? Um, <laughs> uh, something's too close to the, uh, to the speaker or something, or something's too close to him. It sounds like it went away. Um, nope. All right, so we'll start with Cooper with this one. Uh, where are you living now, um, and does that feel safe? Why do you want to know? No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I live in an RV um, uh, in the Mission, and um, I've been there for a good uh, year and a half at least, um, and um, there's only uh, one or two RVs on the block. Um, and it's it's a non-residential, and it's um, it is safe because one, I make it safe because uh, that 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 street used to get cars cars breaking it broke constantly. If I hear one little uh, anything outside, I'm like, I'll walk out with a I got a big stick. Like, what are you doing? I get away from it. You know what I mean? I take care of my neighbors and I take care of the folks that, that work. You know, because I want I want them to know that like just because I'm I'm homeless doesn't mean that I'm you know I'm over there breaking in cars. I'm chasing people away from your car. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I do feel safe um, because it, it is a safe, well-lit street. But also, being a female out there is um, can be very scary and a little daunting to try to, you know, wiggle your way through things because people see you as, you know, as either weak and or well, not, they don't see me as weak. But I mean, but you know, but they, uh, um, you know, I get propositioned a lot. And, and just even last night, I got propositioned coming out of my RV. There was some guy standing right outside my door. I was like, whoa. You know I mean, so there's little things like that, but I do feel I do feel safe, you know, 99% of the time. And um, but I would love to be able to be safer, like in and in, inside, because there's only so much you can do. I still gotta walk outside and be a part of my community, and there's a lot of things going on. And there's, you know, so it can be unsafe in certain ways, but 
um, I do what I can um, to make myself safe and also use this in my environment and pay attention to my environment. So, um, but yeah, um, but I enjoy I enjoy being where I'm at because it's home to me right now. It's been home for a year and a half, so it'd be weird to move away from there right now. Like if I had to move my RV um, somewhere else, it would not. I wouldn't feel safe. So. Um. And Shia, we're going to go to you. Uh, <clears throat> um, like I said um, in my introduction, I am housed, you know, and um, and to feel safe. Yeah, to a degree. Um, and by me, by me saying to a degree, I really do mean to a degree because of the fact that the front desk is supposed to be our quote unquote security people. And every other day we're having new people coming in on the front desk that don't know nothing about the protocol with any the building. And they're just randomly letting people come up, not checking the 86 list and the whole nine, you feel me? So that's why I meant by sort of, because me, I'm a very, I'm a real stickler when it comes to my safety, you know, and if I feel that my front desk is not doing their job is like, what is the point of being here? You know, it, you got like 700 people living in my building. What the hell, like for real? You know, and it's like, you gotta not only look after your own life, but you gotta actually look after the, all these tenants in here. You feel me, the responsibility falls on you, so. But yeah. I put in a reasonable accommodation not very long ago to get replaced into somewhere more secure that don't always have new people coming in. So I'm crossing my fingers for that one. Thank you. And, and we'll turn over to you, Don. Um, hmm. That question has uh, a yes and a no answer. So I'll try that. Um, when I'm sleeping, I feel very safe or else I wouldn't be able to sleep as a former peace officer and department administrator. Let's just say I've got my safety under control. Um, how I don't feel safe is that, oh, first I, um, I'm, I'm residing in my van, my dog and I. And um, where I don't feel safe is because of my increased number of hours on the street. Um, with that increased exposure, the probability that I'm going to be engaged with a, man, a member of the San Francisco a law enforcement community is greatly heightened. Why I don't feel safe is because they started a campaign three years ago to harass me, and they have continued it forward. They've actually uh, appears like they've started back up since my uh, group has started with disbanding the SFPD, and so I'm on their radar. And so just here recently, they wrote me a phantom ticket, $866. For being parked in a handicap zone in private on private property 
which is the reason why I'm on private property is to stay away from you. Um, and I have a handicap placard. And then they followed that one up with a no front license plate <laughs> citation. What? Again, on private property. Mm. Um, you know, one of their one of their tricks is they'll try to cite your vehicle until you have X number of citations, and then they'll put a boot on it. And if you can't afford the boot to have it removed, then they will tow your vehicle. And that's how they legally steal your property. But the thing about San Francisco is, <clears throat> you know, part of the reason that I'm unhoused to begin with is because I already stated what I formally, my formal occupation, because these people don't do their job. They make $85,000 a year walking in with overtime. Yeah. They'll make the one, one deputy who makes, a, deputies make a lot less than the PD. Yeah. He made $349,000 in one year. His base take home is probably less than that. It's probably like 70. Look at the difference in the overtime. But at any rate, um, they don't do their job. And with that, it caused a series of problems. The mayor didn't do as she had said she would do. And so all the safety nets fell from up under me. So it's a system in disarray that creates people's situations and then blames them for it and are completely unresponsive and inactive to it. And I think that's going to lead into your next question. Yeah. We'll take a short break now and go to the weather report. All right. So this has been uh, the Street Sheet Podcast. And while they're doing their weather report, I'm going to see if I can uh, share another link that I had set up for today. And there's an article in the LA Times. We'll post this on our website as well. ICU availability in Southern California is at 0%, and it's going to get worse, officials warn. This article came out a few days ago um, on December 17th. So last week, written by Luke Money, Long Gong Lin Chu, Sumia Karlam Glob. And uh, let's see. Also have, uh, there's a group of support called Vallejo Justice, and folks can find them on Twitter as well. Uh, Vallejo for Racial Justice. You can they're on Twitter, at Vallejo Justice, and they have a tweet from a few days ago. What if we told you that DUI checkpoints weren't life-saving tactics people pretend they are, but tools to further target, harass, and oppress the poor? And they share a tweet by the Vallejo PD. The results of the 12-18-20 DUI checkpoint are in. Uh, 22 drivers cited, 10 vehicles impounded, 3 drivers arrested for illegal possession of firearms, 1 arrested for outstanding warrant. Uh, no DUI arrests were made. So, uh, nope, <laughs> totally pointless. Um, and another person, uh, Kay Abergas, has shared that they are stop and frisk with cars. It's unconstitutional. And there's, of course, a history of the Vallejo police being pretty awful. Ugh. So, sharing that. And let's see here. And you can... Perhaps hear a little bit of the podcast playing in the background. We got some music. And let's play uh, 
Let's take a bit of a music break, and then we'll be back to play the rest of this podcast. And here's some Regina Spectre with While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Thank you. 
else exists. Well, she, we do exist. And okay, coming back in, and that was Regina Spector with her cover of "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." Uh, gently weeps. I'm gonna rewind a little bit and get back to the "Why Do You Need Housing" podcast from Street Sheet. I'm gonna pause the music here and see where we are here. She surely makes everyone feel. This is the rabble with the. The album can be purchased through W. It's a question is, do you think Mayor Breed is doing a good job addressing homelessness? Negative. Negative, negative, negative. I feel that she is not addressing the homeless community enough. You know, she's working, instead of going straight forward with what she put out there during her campaign, she's been um, pussyfooting around and putting on this facade like, oh, I'm going to do it, but then when it's time for her to do it, she doesn't fall through on it, you know? And it's like, why why set yourself at a double standard like that, you know? And I honestly didn't think I actually did vote for her because of what she said she was going to do. But, like, seriously, I don't feel like she's doing enough for the homeless community, yet alone putting the money where it really needs to go to is with the homeless community. So I disagree. Uh, Cooper? <clears throat> well, <laughs> um, I don't think she's doing anything at all, actually. Um, he's, she's just, you know, Prior mayors used to, uh, you used to see them, and I say this all the time to you, you used to see Ed Lee or, you know, Brown down in the mission, like getting a freaking burrito, you know what I mean? You would see them interacting with the public. And London Breed has yet to even do that, unless, unless it's a, a camera opportunity or a photo op. She doesn't do shit, you know what I mean? And she doesn't do anything that is like, you know, making anybody feel like they're part of, you know, this is my city, you know what I mean, too. So it's like, uh, she, she's making herself, like it's her own little world, and she's just like, do, 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 you know, no one else exists. Well, she, we do exist. And she surely makes everyone feel like, like we don't, we're, we're nothing, you know what I mean? And uh, um, she's not doing anything at all. I mean, one of the things that um, I know some of you guys know is that I, I found this sticker, her campaign sticker ad, all right, when I was showing someone the ACLU website, I was backing up, ran into the fence, I turned around, there's a sticker, and it said, London Breed for Mayor. And it said, in the streets, for the streets. When, you know, when in the streets, for the streets. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Because you, I've never even seen her walk down the street. You know what I mean? Like, if that, that was a campaign sticker. Like, in the streets, for the streets. No, no, no. As my friend Leslie Dreyer, I think she quoted this, you know, off the streets for the sweeps. Because this, she, you know, she's gotten, <laughs> she's gotten graded this whole sweep thing. And my officers don't do sweeps. Well, what's that shit on video we just got right over here? Well, you know what I mean? She's just persistently lying, being a, being fake, not really being like anything that we can depend on, you know? I mean, look at Muhammad Nuru with, with DBW. I mean, they're in cahoots, they've been in cahoots, and, you know, like, there's no leadership and there's no, um, there's no real, like, um, nothing for even the employees to like look up to a leader or someone that's gonna you know if you're if you're a leader lead um but these are all a lot of followers like and and and, and that's what i think london breed is she's not a leader because she doesn't know what to do she's a puppet you know what i mean and so she's her strings are being you know 
like this. Um, and, and she needs to recognize the fact that her, her employees are harassing. Like just the other day, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, uh, well, actually today as well, DBW came in and ran through one person's uh, stuff and started throwing them away again. And just at one person. And, um, and then sitting there cursing me out because I'm videotaping them. You know, and, and well, why are you getting mad? Because if you're doing your job, you know what I mean? So these guys are going rogue and they're, you know, shoulder checking females, bumping them and, you know, and scaring these women and saying they're going to put them on the track. And then, they're, they're, you know, and this kind of stuff, these are supervisors with DBW. They're harassing unhoused females out here. And, you know, London Bree's just sitting there willy-nilly, not even paying attention to anything. You know, she's, oh, what? Where, where people are being abused and, and taken advantage of and fucked with on the daily. You know what I mean? This isn't how, that's not what DBW is supposed to do. They're not cops. They're not they're supposed to pick the shit up. You know what I mean? And not steal people's stuff. So London Bree's not doing anything from even in, in her own world, in our world, or even in a fantasy world. There's, no, there's nothing being done because um, we're all still sitting here and we're on here discussing this because this is something that we, we lack the, the, you know, the, the, the reasoning or even a, a, a voice from her, you know, that, that can make us feel comfortable because I feel uncomfortable as, her, as, as she's my mayor, you know, and, and just how she's running her city. I mean, when you got rogue DBW guys running around and beating up old men and, uh, and harassing women, and I don't think that's what's supposed to happen, you know, and they're selling drugs out of their cars, all the stuff that they're doing, London Breed just acts, it just, you know, not, her blinders are on, you know what I mean? And it's not, and, they, and they're worried about us, the unhoused. We're sitting here, we're just surviving, but everything around us is, is, is giving us negative to no end. And it's kind of just done. What about, I would love to see some positivity, something positive come from London Breeze office and or anyone from the city, you know, make shit right, you know, instead of making it, making it fucked up for us. You know what I mean? So it'd be nice for her to, to learn a little lesson and, and come out and, and see what it's like to be out here. You know what I mean? So that, I think that's one way she's going to learn because she's, she's not going to learn shit by just sitting there doing nothing. You know what I mean? So that's it. Sorry if that was too long. <laughs> Francisco, and that's just on the larger scale, but more on the pandemic scale, 
failing to do what's necessary for unhoused at-risk population here in the city and county of San Francisco. Don't have a second and third solution for people group when you haven't solved the first one. Mm -hmm. The first one was about unhoused people with certain pre-existing uh, conditions that could expose them to the virus and thereby um, expose the community to spread. You didn't even address that. 230 people does not a successful program make. Yeah. Not against the backdrop of 15, 30,000 people who are homeless in San Francisco. So you got to figure that the vulnerable population to that is probably maybe 20% of that population, maybe more, uh, just depending on what the, the skew of the demographics are. But the, 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 the whole thing is this. How are you going to move on to secondary groups of people offering them shelter, the ability to shelter away when you haven't taken care of the first issue? Deal with that first. Um, like I said, absolutely positively impotent. I don't think that really on a grander scale, I don't think she has the ability to lead whatsoever. I think she's a fish that's out of sight of her, her pond. Um, money put her into that office. And um, I just really think that that's what it is. And I often ask myself this sometimes, especially when I hear Jabber John. If I was your brother, would I be in a hotel room right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Don. Yeah, that's really important. Um, all right. In a in a minute, we're uh, going to be checking social media to see if we get um, questions from people. Uh, <laughs> uh, but before we go on to that, um, I guess uh, let's ask um, if each person could just uh, describe your dream home. Where would you like to be living? Somewhere where there's out, not the aliens is about to get us with that sound. <laughs> Where's your aluminum foil? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. You want to start? Um, my dream home, I don't know what it is about Italy, but I would have a big house out in Italy in the vineyards out there. You feel me? It is so peaceful. It's beautiful at night. Like, it's and the food is awesome. Oh my gosh. And I would just have like my dream house to be out there, like out in the open around vineyards to make my own wine or whatever, you know? That's what my dream house would be like and where it would be. Go ahead, Don. I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, I'm. I've lived places and I've 
lived and went to school in Italy. So I don't know what you're talking about, Northeast, but that was <laughs> Northeast Italy. Yes. Um, um, I can't say that geographically, I wasn't thinking about the question in so much as that, um, but I was thinking, okay, you know, San Francisco, kind of in that, that thing. Um, I have gotten a lot of perspective since my ordeal. And I pretty much like he was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to have this kind of lifestyle that would allow me to have a house here, house there. But in all, in all honesty, um, I've really gotten down to a very conservative, conscious space. So my thing is I'd like to have a plot of land that's maybe 50 yards by 20 yards and build a five-story container empire, <laughs> modern style. Okay. Hmm. For, for the city, but totally, you know, off of its own grid, or off, you know, on its own grid, uh, off of theirs, requiring nothing and wanting nothing <laughs> from the city. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, um, and just really, you know, art deco and something of beauty and something sustainable. And so when you look around on the internet, you see all kinds of beautiful designs. So it ties back in with my dog and his the third title of his book. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's called, uh, it's, it, 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 his book series is called The Adventures of Sasha. And his last book is called um, Doing It on All Fours, How I Went from the Doghouse to the Penthouse. Uh. <laughs> So the penthouse is the top of the fifth floor with the, yeah, so we have the fourth and fifth floor. Our, our, our industry foundation, all that stuff, we run under that, so. Crane really wants to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to read his first one. His first one is um, uh, um, Prancing Through Life, and then his second one is uh, um, American Black and White. I'll show you a picture of them, and then you'll understand it. Yes, please. Um, for people listening, I'll uh, I'll try and share a picture of the of uh, Sasha. Is the name of the dog? Oh, you can go to um you can go to Sasha dot two thousand and twelve. Um, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook. Amazing. Yeah, he's everywhere. All right, everybody, got to check out this dog, and I'll try and share the photos uh, when we share this episode. He's a protesting dog too. So oh, hell yeah. So if you go on every twenty eight foundation dot org's um uh, website. There's a picture he was protesting the um, um, the ex the presence of SFPD in the contract with the schools. Wow. Okay, good. I'll be taking a look at that. All right, um, and we'll turn it over to Cooper next. Cooper, what's your dream home? Um, I would love to just be here in San Francisco. I I love it here. Um, I love San Francisco. I say that all the time too. Um. I, like I say, my footsteps are embedded in the, the streets of San Francisco, you know, and those footsteps tell a story. And I love, I love it here. Um, when I was, when I was married, my wife and I, were, we lived in Diamond Heights and for 10 years. And uh, that's what led me on, on, onto the streets was um, a divorce, you know, and uh, I love, I love it up there. I love Diamond Heights. And I would love to just be up, up there in the clouds, kind of just 
stand up there where you can, you know, just walk around and just kind of, it's nice up there. I just walk my dog and just like chill. And it's so beautiful up there and, and calming and, and just, and there's a Safeway right there too. So it's like, you know, everything, you get everything all you want, but I would love to have like a little, a little house or something up there. Or, I mean, or just a, a condo or something, just some simple chill and just, you know, enough for uh, me and my cat Maison to just kind of chill and um, just enjoy life and not be stressed out anymore. So just simplicity is the key, you know? So, yeah. I'm uh, excited to visit that place, Casa de Maison. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> yep. And he'll check you at the door too, because you know, whenever anyone comes over, there isn't very many people I'll allow in the house, but he'll, I just tell him, wait at the door, because he'll come up and he'll smell your mouth. And he'll just, and I'm like, just open your mouth, just open your mouth, okay? Because, wow. he, and, and people are like, why? And he sticks his face right in their mouth and like smells. And then if you're cool, he lets you go. You can walk in. Every person's like, why am I, what, is your cat going to bite me? I'm like, no, he just wants to just, I don't know. He wants, just let him do it, okay? So he's coming and sitting down, you know? Come up and out for you, you know? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, we just got a couple more questions. Um, so uh, the next one is: Have you ever um, seen, witnessed, um, or experienced an encampment sweep? Um, and can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like? I'll go first. Like, yes, I really. When I was homeless. The big one that I will never, ever forget was right over there off of Alameda in San Bruno. And there was like, that was one of the largest encampments at that time. You feel me? And I was a part of it, you know, and the stress of having to be waken up by SFPD and DPW, having them hit on your tent while you're knocked out at two, three, and four o'clock in the morning, you feel me? And it's pouring down rain, mind you. Not a good look. Um, and the fact that you have a certain amount of time to basically gather up what the hell you can and get up out of there, you know, and every chance, everybody was like, where do you guys expect us to go? You feel me? And they couldn't even give us answers on where to go, you know, and then that was a, a headache in itself. And then for me, having a, a mate that always went to jail all the time, was not even no help as well, you know? Me putting in all the work, packing up everything, making sure I got his stuff and my stuff put together and stuff, not leaving nothing behind. Like, it's stressful and it hurts so bad because the way the police and the and the, and the DPW workers used to talk down to us, you know? The way they dehumanized us, the way they, 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 they looked at us like we were not nothing. That just hurt me to death, you know, to know that, you, so what? You guys are just a paycheck away from being homeless your damn self, so don't judge me, you know? And and it was irritating and hurtful and, and, and stressful, you feel me? So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for talking about that. I know it's kind of traumatic thing to relive. I've seen the, uh, I've seen the, uh, the DPW at work. And uh, I would take advantage of, of some of the services uh, that 
St. Anthony's were offered. So like the technology services and stuff like that. Um, because I needed to be able to print documents and so forth and so on because I was suing the city at that time. And um, I've got another uh, action that I'll be starting when the courts open again um, because I'm like, I have to be responsible for me regardless of whether a law office is going to initiate my action or not. And because of systematic racism, systemic racism, no, they're not. That's been my experience throughout the years. So I have to do things myself. And hopefully I don't encounter uh, a racist judiciary because they exist. You know, there was one that used to work in the housing court. He's gone now. And, uh, but there's another one that's uh, in the small claims. But at any rate, um, I used to tell my friends that I was close to that would uh, be out there. If you have any problems, if they if they do that to you, well, there's there's case law, so be real easy to write up a federal complaint and file it against the city. Um, in terms of myself, yeah, it's just been about personal suite, where they come and come knocking on your door or whatever, come mess with you, and then I had one easy. They're not that bright. They're really not that bright. Uh, yeah told for you to tell me that you're harassing me. Well, we'll just take note of that and your batch number and date and time. And we'll just put that in with the rest of the action. So now that you've said it, when you mark my tires for 72 hours or whatever you're doing to me, that all goes back. And then the $866 ticket here recently, because, you know, they know me, they don't like me because I tell them, hey partner, you're not far away from being unemployed because when we disband the department, you know what that looks like? Everybody's fired. And then you have to go back through the whole thing again, but it's gonna be a different process this time because it's gonna be a process that's gonna sniff out racial bias, if you have any history of any infractions in the past, you won't be coming back. And with the state uh, bill that we're going to get going, we're going to make sure that if you have any disqualifying events from the time that you were granted a certificate to be a peace officer in the state of California, if you have any disqualifying events, your certification will be revoked and you will no longer be allowed to be a peace officer in the state of California. So partner, you're not that far away. And the newspapers that I've been saving over the last four or five years talks all about your stories. So that's how I'm fighting back. You want to sweep me? I got a sweep for you too. FTP, fire the police. <laughs> all right, turn over to Cooper. Um, what was the question again? I got confused. Um, have you ever uh, witnessed or experienced? Oh. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yes, I have many, many, many. Because, um, you know, Mary Breed is saying she's, she doesn't do sweeps. So. I, I know, I, I love that. Um, oh. You know, there's, uh, there's the, like, the, your basic, like, get up and, and move along kind of bullshit, or there's, like, the encampment resolution with the hot team and the whole thing. Yeah, when they do that kind of shit, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and that Leonard Breed is constantly saying, oh, 
I'm an idiot. Um, my officers don't do swoops. Well, they do because they swoop in and they, uh, you know, tell them get the fuck up, move. You know what I mean? Like when when I got swept, I got swept myself. Like the last time, what, what before, um, like two years, two and a half years ago or so, I got swept from a division in Brandon, and by 15 and a half cops. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, they weren't supposed, weren't supposed to be moved. Like, what are you talking about? You know? And so they up and moved us in in the middle of. If, if I would have known we were we had to be moved, uh, that we're gonna be swept, we wouldn't have. Mike and Cameron wouldn't have been there. We would have been gone. You know, because I'm, I'm respectful. I, I I follow the letter of the law to the, so, so much as I as I can, you know, so that I don't get fucked with. You know what I mean? And uh, make sure whoever whatever encampment that I'm in, we we all know our rights and our rules and what they can and can't do to us. Because it's one of the best things in the world to have to give that knowledge and that information that that I've gained to other uh, folks that have been in encampments that. The cops like, hey, hey, fuckhead, get up and leave. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, where's the sign? Where's this? Where's that? And to give that power back to someone, that was the most amazing thing I ever saw. When a few times that I was there, when people were getting swept, um, they said no. They're like, we're, no, we're not. Where's the hot team? Where's you know? Because they they enacted the the prop Q, you know, because uh, at that time that's that was you're they're supposed to follow certain you know things, and and they didn't, so they didn't leave. So that was uh, the few times that like it was like five times I saw that happen. It was badass. You know what I mean? Because the cops didn't know what to do. They know what to say, you know? And then now they're just, you know, they, they give you a choice. You can either move the fuck along, leave your stuff, or go, you're going to jail. So that way they don't have to, um, it's gotten kind of, it's grown a little bit. The, the whole uh, 915, 915 is the police radio code for um, dumping rubbish. But they use that, 915s are homeless. That's what they refer to us as. 915s. So on the police, if, if you listen on, I listen to scanner every day when I'm heading out to encampments and whatever, and I'm listening to the scanner so I can hear what's going on, so I know if they're, so you know where they're, where they're coming from, so I can let people know. So like, yeah, we have two 915s here. Or we have two, uh, 915 debris. You know that they're being. That's what they they we're dumping rubbish. That's what that's what we are to them. So one, we don't have any kind of. They don't see us as human, so they they can take our stuff and throw it away. They can threaten us and they can say. You can you want to go to jail? So check it out. You can go to jail or you can leave your fucking shit. Because one, what they do is that they have they're trying to lower their numbers. One, because they don't want a bag and tag. Okay, DPW. So if if it's abandoned property, they don't have to bag and tag. So that makes them not have to do their job, right? So they don't have to bag and tag. So if if you're staying there and you're and you're you're getting your stuff, they're taking away from you. They have to do all this work. So now they threaten us and say leave. Leave your fucking shit, or you're going to jail right the second. So people are like, later, you know? So there's, there's all these little ways. There's your normal sweeps, but the way I'm seeing it, they're, they're wiggling around so many different parts of it and throwing different things in the mix that, you know, people are like, when they see them coming down the street, DBW or whatever, they're gone, and they'll leave their stuff. And then the radio code, uh, hey, we have uh, 915 debris, DBW, I'll stand by, you know? So you guys should, people out there should listen to the, the Listen to the scanners for San Francisco County and uh, the police department because it, it's it's overwhelmingly fucked up because the way that they talk about us, the way just in code, you know, like I said, I was a firefighter. It's like I know all these little ins and outs, but they, but what how they talk is not okay. They shouldn't be referring to us like that. But the sweeps and all, um, they've gotten way more slick with it, and it's not just your typical, you know, by the book sweep. You know what I mean? So. I've been privy to a lot, and people come and get me when they are getting swept. And I go right up there and see, see what's up. You know, like, why are they doing that? And 
officers usually they, they bounce because they know they're doing something illegal. They're just, so they're, they're not following the letter of the law, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. So like London Breed doesn't, you know, that maybe that's why she's like, oh, my officers don't do suits because everyone's oblivious to what the fuck is going on. Nobody knows what the other one's doing. You know what I mean? So um, the sweeps are unhealthy, unreal and unrealistic and it's dehumanizing. It's fucked up and it's really, um, it takes everything that people have their soul, their heart, their their things, the last little bit that they, the belongings that they have left on this earth, and they toss it in the trash. And they, they, they like, it's, you know, nothing. Like, later, oh, your family Bible? Okay, who cares? It's not mine. So there's no caring or no, no heart and no thought in anything that most of these guys do. And that's because our leadership, she doesn't give a fuck, so therefore, why should they give a fuck? The, their boss got busted by the FBI? Who cares? So we were being treated not only more fucked up, more fucked up, but we're being ripped apart, you know, from the inside out. And that's what London Breed is in charge of right now. You know, she's, she's destroying people from the inside out until we have nothing. So, and that's the bad part of the sweeps is that people, it puts some people over the edge and, and they may not come back from that. You know what I mean? Because they don't have anything left. There's nothing left. And our city surely, surely isn't going to do anything to help, help that person when they've destroyed them. So, you know, it's kind of a big clusterfuck of nothing and you go nowhere and you, San Francisco, where do you want me to go? Where are we supposed to go? Nowhere, you know? So, yeah. Sweep suck. <laughs> Sweep suck. Well, okay, we've got, I feel like we could probably talk all night. I have a million follow-up questions for everybody. Um, hopefully we get a chance to do this again. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, so just to wrap up, um, I'm going to uh, pitch our upcoming How's the Bay action. Um, for folks who don't know, How's the Bay is a group of um, community organizers in the Bay Area working to open vacant units to unhoused people. Um, and we are hosting a protest next week on, um, on Saturday at 3 p.m., uh, calling out UC Hastings for their lawsuit to clear tent encampments in the Tenderloin and calling out the city for uh, their continued use of barricades um, and policing against homeless people in the Tenderloin. And I'm talking again. Huh? I don't mind be. I wouldn't mind being there either. Yeah, <laughs> we hope you're there. Um, I'm gonna try closing this door and see if the aliens go away. I think there's just some feedback happening. Um, it seems to be most of the time when I'm talking. Now we're now we're bad. I don't know. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, it's called Housing Not Barricades. You can find it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on House the Base uh, social media pages. Uh, 3 p.m. Saturday, August 22nd, um, and we are taking those barricades and saying, return to sender, give them back to UC Hastings, give them back to Mayor Breed. Uh, we don't want barricades, we want housing, we want Prop C to be fully implemented, we want vacant units being opened to all unhoused people in, the, in San Francisco and in the broader Bay Area. Um, if you're interested in getting involved with House the Bay, you can sign up on our volunteer form at housethebay.org. Um, and if you're an unhoused person interested in accessing um, housing, please get in touch with us. Uh, we are working to um, uh, open vacant units. And um, Cooper's been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so as we close out, um, if, if people, we can just go around and um, maybe say a little bit about uh, 
what people who are housed who are listening to uh, this panel can do to support homeless people in the Bay Area. Um, what the best way to get involved is, what the best way to show up is. Okay, since I'm the only one that's housed on here, um, I feel that um, people that who are housed, which I, what we all can do is lend a hand to anybody that is of need. You can read, don't look down at a, an individual because of their quote unquote social status or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Because behind every person, there's a story, you know? And just take time out to get like socks, hand sanitizers, masks, do something to help the community out, you feel me? And to help the, the homeless out, you know? I'm the outreach worker for the coalition for the Tenderloin, you know, because I know there's a lot of people out here who, who, who have a lot of questions, and that you guys may be the one set of people that can actually answer their questions. So, yeah, that's all. Go ahead, Dom. Um, yeah, you know, there's a million stories in a naked city and you don't know that person's story. If I'm not in the vicinity of my vehicle, you'd never know. If you looked at my resume, you would say, how could that be possible? But see, we live in a very sick society mm -hmm. that has three diseases. First one was systemic racism permeates every facet of life, whether it's education or housing or criminal justice or healthcare. We're seeing it all being played out right now because of the second disease, which is COVID-19. And if we didn't have the third disease, we might be so further along in recovering from the second disease and that third disease is Donald Trump and he's got to go November. Yes, for sure. Amen. He is a systemic problem that is plaguing the other two diseases right now. And so, um, you know, I know, well, i put it to you like this. I was going to say, I don't know what it is, what it, what it does with housing, but people that have the mindset like him destroy housing law put into place. It's people like him have no compassion, completely oblivious, that are in public office in places where they should be leaders. That's what's going to change it. I think people have gotten a greater awareness 
because they're forced, they were forced to see what's going on. They couldn't be preoccupied with sports or leisure or travel or any of those things. So they were forced to see what's going on. But um, yeah, I think that's the thing that's gonna really, um, that, 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 that's the only thing that really will change it. And that is a function of the people and that is a function of the people um, exercising the franchise and then exercising the compassion and, 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 and the blessing that they've been given. Because with this COVID, a lot of people are seeing, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> I could be on these streets too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, go ahead, Quiver. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. I want. I want to hear what you're. What you're. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Well, I feel like I gave my pitch. I was like, yeah, come join House of Bay, hang out with us. Uh, oh, that was that was just stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Your own guts, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I th I think that like definitely uh you know as a housed person um i see it as my responsibility to um uh show up in relationships with unhoused people uh with a lot of compassion and like curiosity um and recognize that i don't know anything about being homeless and like a lot of decisions are made about homeless people uh, without input from homeless people and so um, being accountable to uh, the various perspectives that homeless people have uh, about solutions is the only way that we're going to actually get our way out of this mess um, so that's one thing I would say is like if you're a housed person and uh, you want to get more involved get involved with a group that um, isn't working on behalf of homeless people but it's working with homeless people um, and uplifting the like political will and organizing power of unhoused folks. Um, and there's lots of really rad groups doing that work. Uh, we got Poor Magazine, um, the Coalition on Homelessness where I work, uh, Street Spirit in the East Bay, Youth Spirit Artworks. Uh, we have The Village in Oakland. Um, and uh, what? Stolen Belonging. Stolen Belonging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe Cooper, you can uh, uh, take us out with a plug for Stolen Belonging. <laughs> Um, right now, <laughs> um, first off, I want to say if, if, if folks that are that are housed, um, houses as we call you guys, um, that um, you know don't uh, we don't we're, we don't have cooties. We're not gonna you know as I say bite you and give you homelessness. You know like be <laughs> we, we all should be you know go back to the, what it's like to be a neighbor. Take care of your neighbor. You know we're all service skill residents. If we're outside inside. Just be fucking human, you know. Be look someone in the eye when you're speaking to them, you know. Just because they might be unhoused, um, I mean, if it's a naked guy running down the street. Maybe don't talk to him, but I mean, right at that moment, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, like those are, you know, just start up a conversation because you know most people, like, like, like Don was saying, you don't know people's story. We all have a story. You know what I mean? And and nobody, you know, when people look at me, they, oh, you don't, you don't look homeless, you know, like, well, I am, you know. And what brought me out here? What brought him? What brought her what brought you know some of this some of this out what brought us out here know our story ask our story you know what i mean and 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 have a conversation with with unhoused folks because there are doctors there's lawyers there's artists there's tattoo artists there's 
I mean, some of the, 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 the most amazing people out here and you'll never get to know who they are if you don't just ask or smile or just say, hey, how's your day? You know what I mean? Uh, you don't have to always give someone money. You don't always have to just, you know, just human behavior, normal, caring, put your fucking phones down and, and smile and talk to someone, you know what I mean? And, and make, it, make it real, you know? Like I always say that, you know, know where your heart is. Like where did our hearts go? Because everyone's too busy on their phones. They don't, they're not looking up to look what's in front of them. You know what I mean? And we're what's in front of you right now. You know what I mean? We're in front. We are the, the issue of the day, you know what I mean? And so find out why. You know, and if you want, if you want to know more, if you want to help, if you, whatever you want to do, that little niche that you feel like you've got to do since everyone's at home right now, you know, check things out. Like, you know, like the street sheet, check out the things that, things that are, that are you know, the coalition are kick-ass motherfuckers. They do so much for us. They have our back out here. And I wholeheartedly, because I volunteer here too, they have our back and, 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 right. and they need, you know, a little more help here and there with people volunteering, doing, give a little bit of yourself. Even if it's two hours a day you know, do it because we need it. Um, um, and part of, part of the coalition is a stolen belonging with Leslie Dreyer. She has, um, you know, put together this great group of folks that we go out and we've, we're telling the stories of the unhoused and how they're affected by, um, uh, you know, DBW and the police. What happens during these sweeps? They're actual stories and some of them are fucking heartbreaking. Some are just like, give you chills. It's like, these are real people, real life, and this is the guts of our city and, and we're telling it. And, um, and you can go to stolenbelonging.org and you can check out what we have so far. Um, and it's amazing. Leslie Dreyer is a kick-ass, she's just the shit, you know what I mean? And uh, she is really leading this group of some of us unhoused. I'm in that as well. And just to make something beautiful and make it matter because I'm always saying make it matter, you know? And then the other way, if you want to get to be a part of your community, be a part of it, uh, if, it if it's from, um, learning if you have you taken been trained in narcan you know uh, if you want to you know you want to volunteer with uh you know the homeless youth alliance up in the hate you know they're always looking for folks um mary howe she you know runs the ladies night and does stuff over here with with needle exchange and give and, and helping unhoused women you know have a place to be you know two hours on thursday you know, they get eat you know uh get hygiene and they can get harm reduction supplies and that's that's those are things that are amazing that that's offered and we always need volunteers to do things like that so, so if you want to volunteer you want to be part of your community you can find your little niche of whatever it is you made you there's something for for you out there <laughs> for unhoused and housies alike because if you're unhoused you can you can surely volunteer as well because i do you know so all i'm saying all in all is just be a part of your community and if you want to volunteer if you want to do something give me a call i'll, I'll help you you know what i mean or call some of these folks i just named they're willing to help and, and, and they want more people to be part of our community because if we don't have each other, we have nothing. <coughs> right. We're dying out here. So we need to make sure we, we band together and <laughs> let London Breed know she is not doing her job. She's right. Really, definitely not in the streets for the streets. You know what I mean? She, right. Yeah. We're basically off the streets for the sweeps. But if you, if you, it should be, if you elected me mayor, I'll let you die in the streets is what it is. That's what her campaign sticker actually said. And then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thank everybody enough. Um, yeah, if you're if you're interested in finding out more, getting involved, please visit us at howsthebay.org. We have a volunteer sign-up sheet. You can get plugged in. 
um, just to support actions. You can also um, get involved with our organizing efforts in an ongoing way. There are four vacant units for every homeless person in San Francisco and the Bay Area. Um, and we have a mandate from the voters to open 4,000 units of housing. Uh, Mayor Breed is refusing to honor Prop C. Um, and if she's not going to do it, we're going to do it. So uh, yes. join us, housethebay.org. Um, come out next Saturday, uh, August 22nd at 3 p.m. to return those barricades and say we want housing, not barricades. Um, thank you to John Poisson, to Cheyenne Brown, uh, to Cooper Arona. Um, I'm your host, Quiver Watts, and um, we hope we will be back uh, with less technical difficulties the next time we do this. Um, right. It's such an honor to speak with all of you, and thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you, Quiver. 999 left to go. Um, episode four why do you need housing and again this was from the street speak podcast and it was taped from an earlier um event that happened uh, this past august so while it was from a while ago um really important uh information there i definitely learned a lot from listening to it so please do support uh the organizations mentioned uh during that talk and again we'll post a link to that on our page at weeklyrev.org that'll be up later today thanks so much for tuning in going to uh head out now uh yeah thanks so much for tuning in i hope everyone has a as much peace and uh rest as one can and to help out one another um when you're able i'll finish up with this uh cover uh this is uh ann wilson doing stairway to heaven uh yeah i hope everyone again Hope everyone's doing well, and thanks again for listening in, <laughs> and uh, yeah, be back next week. Take care.
tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts.